Paul Suns fans, Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Heidi ho Ranger Joe. Heidi ho Ranger Joe, indeed, and welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your oldest and most inconsistent Phoenix Suns podcast that is made most for the fans. <laughs> That's you guys by the fans. That is us. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. Give us a follow or hit us up on Twitter. I am at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. Make sure to rate and review on iTunes, and when we actually record, we're also on Stitcher and Google Play. And Paul, can I just say, initially, Laker girls. That is a what you say, Laker girls? <laughs> yes. Okay. Anyway, back to my heartfelt moment, Paul. Initially, it is fantastic to be talking Phoenix Suns basketball with you once again. It has been like literally three weeks. We promised a while ago we would get more consistent. We have literally gotten less consistent. That's a lot on me. I've been traveling a crap ton for work and just different time zones and whatnot has just made it really hard for us to record. You know, I feel like that's kind of something we bring to the table, just – you never know what you're going to get. Who knows? Who nope. knows what's going to happen with us? Who knows? We may miss some good stuff. We may miss some bad stuff. But when we're here, we're mediocre. When we're here, we're here. <laughs> that sums it up. Um, yeah, I was going to lead in and be like, well, since the last time we recorded, the Suns have played 74 games. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I figured a little too much hyperbole. So anyway, why don't we just dive right into it then? Because I know right I'm anxious, you're anxious, the people listening are anxious. We want to talk sons. They want to hear sons. So let's do this. So, do they? So, uh, well, if they're listening, I assume so. I hope so. I, I would hope so, too. They can't listen for the tangents. Apparently, nobody likes <laughs> tangents. We do. I love the tangents. Love. Anyway. Okay. So, yeah. we got a few different things we want to talk about here. This evening, this morning, whenever it is you're listening, we're recording super late at night because that's what weird people like us do. Mike Connolly's on the trade block. The Suns want to look at them. Hmm, we'll see what we think. Uh, arena improvement has been approved. A lot of people up in arms about it. A lot of people are like, oh, we don't need to be spending you know, Phoenix City money to pay for the Suns' improvements to the arena. We have our own thoughts on that. Guess what? Spoiler alert. I'm siding with Robert Sarver, uh, and uh, let's we'll, we'll delve into the uh, Booker Jang kerfuffle that occurred last night in the Suns Timberwolves game. And uh, if we have some time, we'll even dive into Dragon Bender. He's still a thing. He is. He's he back. Is. He's he, he never the left. Dragon bro. has become a phoenix. Wow. Wow. I'm just I'm gonna let that one marinate for everyone for just a second. Okay, that's enough. All right. First topic, Paul. Yeah. Everyone since last year into the off season, into the start of the season, up until today, 
Ryan McDonough lost his job presumably because of it. Everyone wants a point guard. Mike Connolly is now available per reports. Well, they're blowing it the up. The Grizzlies are listening to trade offers for Mike Conley. And Marcus Paul. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything to the Suns, but yes. they are ready to get rid of those guys. Paul, it's a Suns podcast. Come on. Tangents, Justin. Come on. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So Mike Conley is on the block. Paul, yeah. do you want Mike Conley on the Phoenix Suns? And don't tell me. If your answer is yes, what you want to give up from yet? Because that will be my follow-up. The easy out is for you to say no, but I feel like you're going to say yes. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think he would be a good uh, he'd be a good fit on the Suns. Um, I think it it gives me shades of when uh, Steve Nash came in to the Suns. I mean, he Mike Conley is not Steve Nash. But then again, Steve Nash wasn't Steve Nash when he joined the Suns, but he was an older point guard who came into a very young team and just really just his presence, his steadying um, uh, attitude, um, his overall um, really, really strong play, his borderline all-starness, I think would really help the Suns kind of just kind of be the glue that kind of puts all the pieces together. More so than some of the other, because um, I know like Kemba Walker's name has been out there a lot. Um, I would much rather have Conley over Kemba Walker, um, primarily because I feel like Conley's definitely much more of like a pass-first point guard, and Kemba Walker's definitely a score-first point guard. And in the, with the team we've got right now, we've got scorers. I mean, it's not that Conley can't score, but we need a guy who can run the offense, distribute it, get to the guy, get the ball to the guys in the right places. So Mike Conley to you is a pass first point guard. Really? I'm going to have to ask you to repeat that. Cause you cut out. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and by, by, a, by, by the way, if there are any technical difficulties out there, we will apologize ahead of time. We're using a new interface. So, that is totally the reason. Has nothing to do with my inability to operate all this stuff, even though we've been doing this for three years. Whatever. Uh, Mike Conley, you consider him a pass first point guard? I don't say he I don't think he's like a pass first point guard, but he's not a full on score first point guard. He's not like I'm looking out for mine and if I get assists, I get assists. I, I guess I mean statistically. Yeah, he's not a score first, and when you compare him to Kemba, because he scores less, I guess. Um, mm. But he only averages one assist more, give or take, you know, over the course of their careers um, per game. So, you know, I I don't see him necessarily being that facilitator that in the uh, form or in the uh, uh, ilk of a, of a Steve Nash. Uh, clearly not to that level. Well, yeah, um, but, no, no, yeah. But you know, you know, how about this issue with Conley? you bring in Mike Conley and we'll put aside the fact that the dude's making like 30 million bucks a year and where the hell are we going to like manage to fit that into the salary cap? But that's, right. that's a different issue. Yeah. If you have Mike Conley and Devin Booker starting in the back court and God knows I love Devin Booker, but it's like you have two hobbled guys on, on the court at any given time. <laughs> and it's two guys that could just like that fall to pieces. Cause I mean, I'm just looking right now at Conley's stats over the years, 
So this year, he's played 46 games. Last year, he played 12. The year before, he played 68. The year before, he played 56. The year before, he played 70. The year before, he played 73. The year before, he played 80. The year before, he played 62. I mean, he, he's not, he doesn't stay healthy. And it, it seems like the Suns, we missed the heyday of when the Suns training staff was this mecca where people would, players would come and uh, reinvigorate their careers. Grant Hill, Shaq, those are Steve the only Nash. names that come to Steve. Well, Steve Nash even. Okay, so let's let's step back because I was thinking about that earlier when, when we were talking about Mike Conley and I'm sitting there going, he has health issues though, but you brought up the Steve Nash thing. I'm like, oh, well, Nash had some health issues. Not really. The year before Nash came to Phoenix, he played 78 games. The year before that, he played 82. The year before that, he played 82. Now, the couple of years right. before well, I mean, that, that's yes, the entire reason that the Suns were issues. able to get him. But he came into Phoenix having three relatively healthy years in a row. So, right. uh, you know, granted, he was on the older end. He was 30 when he got here. So, sure, having that training staff, I'm sure, helped. But it seems like that whole aura is gone. Booker's hurt frequently. I think mm. it was Kellen that did a really good article recently about like all of Booker's super random injuries over the past couple of years. Right. TJ Warren's hurt quite frequently. Uh, and, you know, it, it it's just seems like we're not that fountain of youth anymore. Right. And taking all Granted, of that our collectively together. Well, but well, that might be part of it to an extent is there's a different – it might have to do with like there's a difference in training and whatnot when you're dealing with a bunch of guys who are still kind of growing into their bodies. And so they're, they're prone to injury in that way because they're, it's not fully formed versus an older player who it's like, okay, they are who they are. And now it's building strength and competent and compensation for, you know, weaknesses and whatnot. So Just you're, you're saying stuff. that the Suns training staff needs to deal with old guys. Mm, yes. I like that. I like that approach. Like that's, me. that's bold. That's bold. Yes, we know, Paul, you had a shoulder injury. You're just like, who was it that had a shoulder injury? You're like, I know. Trust me, I have a shoulder injury too. Remember that? That was like, I don't know, three months ago, which was like two pods ago. <laughs> anyway. I don't So Okay, that, so, so you're thinking, hey, Mike Conley, why not? Let's just assume we can squeeze in that thirty million bucks somewhere. Assume we have yeah, some that's trade a, that's filler to use. Point. Who who would you give up Which though we don't. for him? Yeah, right. We don't. We don't. Tyson Chandler, Trevor Reza. Complete hypothetical <laughs> conversation here because we really don't. Um, but I mean, there there presumably would like, have to be a piece, right? I mean, T.J. Warren would yeah. have to go in that trade. I would think. I, I for one, get the money in case I haven't conveyed this, I'm against this, by the way, but go on. Okay. I mean, you could get, you might be able to get there with some, but it'd be a hard sell because you'd have to, you'd have, you'd have to throw in sweeteners to get it done is like, you'd probably have to do something along the lines of like, uh, Ryan Anderson, just cause you need the full salary oh, yeah, to that fill guy. that in. But that's hard. Him. That's hard. Because he's got a whole nother year at fifteen or at twenty one million, or if you waive him, it's down to fifteen. But that's still fifteen million dollars either way, minimum. Um, so you got Ryan Anderson, uh, Dragon Bender. You probably have to put it, throw in Jackson 
and maybe a Kobo and our pick. It just seems like a ton. That's the problem. Like you could get away with maybe like the pick and like one asset if you had like some, you know, you're also getting salary really immediate salary relief of like a Trevor Reza or a Tyson Chandler type contract that could have been filled in, which in hindsight may not have been the best move to at least move one of those guys. Well, well, I mean, theoretically I'm, I'm looking at sham sports right now and I'm looking at Conley's contract right now. He's making 30 million this year. Um, it's no John Wall. I'm making 30 million this year. And theoretically, I mean, Ryan Anderson and TJ Warren gets that done. Now I know that's okay. not going. I, I mean, I shouldn't say I know. I presume that wouldn't cut it, but maybe, maybe it would. Well, actually, because Ryan Anderson, I, they can, I, they can free up that cap space. If not by waving and stretching, then by waiting out till 1920 to end. And then he's off the books and TJ Warren's signed through 21, 22 to a very reasonable deal. You'd probably have to include our pick. And you might be able to get away with some like protection, like top five. You mean our pick? Our pick. Yeah, that's a that's an absolutely fucking no. Like that's stupid. Like I wouldn't trade our pick for him straight up. I'm I'm just saying. I'm saying you could probably get get away with it with like top five protection, which would at least theoretically preserve the Suns this season, Mm -hmm. unless Conley comes in and just wrecks shop. I don't see, but I, I, uh, that, I feel like you're willing to give way too much up for Mike Conley. I'm not saying I'm willing to give it up. I'm saying that's what Memphis would require to make the trade. I, I feel like my question was, I'm, what, what I'm would saying, you give up for? <laughs> Have we spent the last like four <laughs> minutes, Paul, talking about completely different subjects? I think uh, so. Oops. Hey, Paul. <laughs> I'm not saying what I'd be willing to give up. Hey, I'm Paul, saying, reset. What yes. would you give up for him? What would I give up? What would I yeah. give up for him? I would pro- I would give up. Okay, I would. I mean, you're gonna need Ryan Anderson for filler. I actually do don't. I don't mind the idea of T.J. Warren, particularly one because Kelly Oubre and Josh Jackson have really been coming on, and at least one of those might could deserve starter time, mm-hmm. and so could fill in that role pretty well. Um. And then with Conley coming in, you're also replacing a good chunk of uh, Warren's offense. So that's not a huge deal either. But replacing that offense while also like re- uh, relieving a logjam at that wing spot. So, um, you know, Brian Anderson, TJ Warren, and the Milwaukee pick. And, I, and if they need, want it, I could throw in – a Kobo for good measure. I haven't paid enough attention to what's going on in Twitter or anything recently. And so I, I, I can't say whether I'm the majority or the minority here, but I, I really have little interest in Mike Conley. Well, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but for the cost and the injury prone nature the of him, of it just doesn't seem to make sense. And I mean, you've got a guy it. who's taking this year. He's taking 16 shots a game. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I'll look it up. But I'm assuming Booker's probably taken somewhere in that range. <laughs> and you know, y- y- you then have two guys who really, really, really need the ball and have a propensity for wanting to take shots. Which 
I don't think is the best Mm -hmm. formula for success. And ultimately, I think that a lot of Suns fans out there who are clamoring to get involved with the Mike Conley thing are kind of thinking a little short-sighted and just frustrated by, excuse me, Booker's taking 19 shots a game. Frustrated by the pattern of losing. And I get that. But making one of these kind of short-sighted type of deals to get an injury-prone guy where you perhaps in the scenario we're talking about are going to give up a good contract in TJ Warren, uh, possibly a draft pick. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. Is Mike Conley really going to elevate the team that much? Now, if you told me, hey, Mike Conley's going to be healthy all the time, great. Then then my story's different. But when you have a guy who has missed you know, over the past four years, I'm not good at math, but I'll call it 120 games. I don't know. Might be way off, but it, it doesn't seem like a recipe for success to me. I think one thing that like a lot of Suns fans are dealing with is we're always looking for, and this is fans in general when they're dealing with their team, they're looking for like the perfect guy. And it's so hard to find for that person to be available. And then when you're a not great team attracting that guy as well, it makes it even harder. So I'm just, I'm not saying settle, but I'm, it just seems like every, like any name that pops up is like, Oh, we need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. Not that guy. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. Not that other guy. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. There's no consensus. So like somebody's going to be mad. Part of me is just like, if he's good, like let James Jones or whatever, do their thing, get their guy. If he's good, well, everybody will change their tune. But we just, it's just, I mean, but I think particularly with the Suns, they've had a lot of swings and misses. So I think there's a little bit of gun shyness as well. I, I almost feel like it's the opposite. Like I said, I and maybe I haven't been paying enough attention to social media and everything recently. But what I've seen, people are clamoring to 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 to, to pick up Conley, and it, it just doesn't make sense to me. But hey, let's 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 do this, Paul. Let's get off my Conley. This is way too much my Conley talk. All right, you, you you mentioned somebody interesting. Excuse me, and that is Josh Jackson, because I I, I just have a question that I think we all asked ourselves last year and we're asking ourselves again this year. And that is, what is it about the turn of the calendar that makes Josh Jackson be like, Oh, you know what? I'm going to play basketball now because he has picked it up exponentially since the new year started. Christmas just puts him in a good mood. Maybe, maybe that could be it. And I mean, the same thing happened last year, but I mean, I'm just looking right now at his splits and He's shooting this month 47.6% overall and 35.3% from three-point range, averaging 14.4 points, five rebounds, and 2.7 assists. And I won't go through every month before, but just to use December as an example, that's up about more than 10% overall from field goal uh, from from excuse me, field goal percentage overall, up about three percent from three-point range overall, up five points give or take uh his offensive ratings up and he just seems that again it's like something flips him a switch flips him 
And he got a couple of starts or three starts here this month, but he's still been primarily coming off the bench. And it's one of those things where, you know, last year we're like, oh, this is the Josh Jackson we expected. And then he went into summer league and looked terrible. And then beginning of the year it was looking rough. And now all of a sudden he's flipping it on again. And I, I just wish this dude would do it all the time. And I know he can. Yeah, I mean, yeah, consistency is the name of the game for him. And getting figuring that out and getting that to – you know, translate to the court. Right. Right. And, and, you know, speaking of consistency being the name of the game, um, I will just, I, I point this out briefly and then we'll move on to the arena improvement thing, but I'll point this out briefly. Yeah. Luka Doncic's shooting stats are down yet again from last month. They're still down, down to 31%. Josh Jackson right now is a better three point shooter than Luka Doncic. Just Doncic stands. Just let that sink in a little bit. But he's shooting 31% from three-point range this month, 40.4% overall. Again, down from last month, which was down from the month before, which was down from the month before, which is what happened last year, which is something I brought up last year. That should be a concern, and everyone's like, oh, it's no big deal. He's been playing for months in a row and played in EuroLeague and FIBA and blah, blah, blah. Well, he took all summer off, ate a bunch of Twinkies, and he's still shooting like shit as the year continues. So anyway, Paul. I got myself so into the head of like, you know, Aiton's our guy, draft Aiton and Don, like, you know, and then, you know, with any of these arguments, the way people do this now is like, okay, it's half of it is promoting your guy and half of it's tearing down the other guy to the point that I'm like, I'm not interested in watching him. Like he's the darling of the NBA and I have no desire to watch him. And I'm just wondering if there'll ever be a time where I like turn that corner. Maybe someday there will, Paul. Maybe. Maybe someday there will. I, I, I feel like everyone that's so high on him, I mean, clearly they haven't seen that atrocious tattoo on his forearm, right? Like, that's <laughs> the only – like, that thing is – who gets a tiger tattoo on their forearm? <laughs> that's the sign of a sociopath. Like, there's something wrong with him. Um, okay, anyway, moving on. So, arena improvement – vote by the city council today yeah passed six to two if i'm not mistaken yes so over between 20 between 2020 and i think 2021 or something like that they're going to be doing 230 million dollars in renovations to talking stick resort arena paul yes. you were a poli sci major weren't you yes Yes, I was. So I feel like I feel like you should, you know, have some fantastic insight into this and some deep, deep politically driven thoughts. I I I focus much more on the macro than the micro. Are you are you underwater or like in an aquarium right now? Because you're super echoey. I'm just gonna throw it I out there not. because I don't know how to stop this thing. Oh hey, that was better. <laughs> With regards to the arena, two hundred and thirty million dollars isn't the worst amount in the world i mean the building in and of itself is still pretty solid it it just needs you know upgrades to get it in line with sorry when you say it's solid you mean like because it's made of cement or like (laughs) no i mean it's got a nice design aesthetic to it from the outside and it just needs some upgrades to kind of get in line with the uh um with the needs of a modern nba team and so, I mean, 230 million is not the worst number in the world. It's not like what you've seen with like 
other cities and towns who we just went through this with the freaking San Diego Chargers. You know, as San Diego Charger fans, yeah, we're not in San Diego, but I mean, I definitely was paying Los Angeles Chargers, Paul. I'm talking about them when they were the San Diego Chargers. (laughs) Yeah, but I'm saying like we're now Los Angeles. They're now the Los Angeles Chargers because the city didn't pony up God knows how much freaking money for a stadium for them. And 230 million when it's actually really not going to affect the taxpayers directly isn't the worst thing in the world. I'm not a huge fan just from a policy perspective of paying for stadiums for professional sports teams. I mean, I understand the other, you know, you get concerts and you get all these other things that kind of come through there and whatnot. You do need a facility like that, but it's not like other buildings in the downtown area are being built by the city because businesses need to operate there. So, I mean, it's a very conflicting situation, but it's probably the most tenable outcome. Let me, let me, let me throw some stuff out there. The number $230 million has been thrown around. You threw it around. It was thrown around prior to from what I've seen, what I've read. It's not 230 that the city of Phoenix is paying. It's 150 that the city of Phoenix is paying with the Suns contributing $80 million to it. Okay. So that's, that's one aspect of it. And I feel like <clears throat> from the word go, when this stuff all started coming out, everyone just reacted because the Suns are bad right now and have been for a while and because Robert Sarver is hated in Phoenix. But to that end... Brightside night a couple of weeks back, James Jones was very quick to bring up the fact um, during the end. And if anybody out there is listening who went to the James Jones thing and was one of those contributors, thank you very much. Brightside of the Sun appreciates that. I'll speak for it, even though technically we're not really like Brightside people, right? Like technically. Yeah, we're on the but, staff. We're just not. We're not. We? I, I think know. so. I feel like Dave would disagree. I feel like Dave would disagree. With we're that. just not the writers. E- easy. Easy. Um, we're the so, on-air talent. If we were staff, we would have been fired because <laughs> we never show up for work, okay? But anyway, point being, James Jones was very quick to point out the fact that when asked, what does this team need to do to become competitive again? He said they need to improve their facilities because the Suns' facilities are amongst the worst in the league. And you mentioned this before we started recording, Paul, but – the Suns have one of the oldest arenas in the league, which is still mind-blowing to me because I remember when that thing opened. I remember that inaugural season. It was their 25th year. And now they're on their, like, 52nd year. So, yeah, it's old as shit. Oh, yeah, because, like, 92 uh, just doesn't feel that long ago. Right, right. And the only arenas in the league that are older are Oracle and that's, Golden That's State. going away. right. MSG, which is MSG, so whatever. Which Target there were talks of and, demolishing that and rebuilding it. Well, there you go. Target Center in in Minneapolis, uh, and the Vivint Smart Home Arena in Salt Lake City, which is at least we presumed in our discussions before we started recording that uh, each of those have actually gone through somewhat significant upgrades at one point in time. Now. Talking Stick Resort Arena did go through an upgrade back in like 2003 when they put that 
they enclosed the front area where the ticket windows are and everything. Cause remember that used to be open. Right. Yeah. I do remember um, that. But outside of that, there hasn't really been anything significant. So anyway, back to my little tidbit. So outside of the fact that the Suns are putting up 80 million, the city of Phoenix is only putting up 150 million. The next tidbit being that, as you kind of alluded to, the city's funding its portion out of sports facilities fund, which is something that already exists and is generated by taxing tourism related, um, uh, you know, uh, Tour, tourism-related types of uh, activities. Yeah. Uh, you Hotels, know, rental Hotel cars. taxes, uh, rental cars, exactly. So again, people who live in Phoenix who are acting like this is going to take money out of their pocket really shouldn't be, unless I guess you rent a car all the time or stay in hotels constantly, which then maybe you have other issues going on. Just saying. Um, the city council also apparently added an amendment to this, I don't know if, Bill, would it be? I don't know if it's a bill in city politics, but anyway. It's a writer. Uh, whereby the Suns are committed to donating at least $10 million towards uh, you know different community-type endeavors, including a uh, $2.6 million to the city's Head Start preschool program. So, hey, wonderful. There's a benefit to the city right there. Um, and the other thing too is everyone's like, why are the Suns, or excuse me, why is the city going to be paying for, you know, this team stadium and this? Seems, at the end of the day, the city owns the stadium, so the city has an interest, I would think, in keeping it up to date and upgrading it as well. Otherwise, you basically have a big building that turns into a blight. That's just a waste of space. When you drive out to LA or San Diego, you're going out to 10 West, that old horse racing track that's out there, that's just sitting there. That kind of gives you a, a, a frame of what it could potentially look like. You know, you, you have to continue to develop these facilities, improve these facilities. Otherwise they become obsolete and asking for the city to improve its own stadium by don but donating by using some of the you know by, by providing some of the funds that are going to go towards that improvement doesn't seem like an outlandish request when we're talking about a nearly thirty year old building. Look at the the funds that the the sons are putting into it. Like if you just think about like with any building, um, you know that rents out space to people. You know, th that organization wants that their space to be what they want their space to be. And sometimes in those rental negotiations and whatnot, the landlord will provide some funds towards that renovation. But it usually doesn't cover all of it. So some of it should and usually does come out of the pockets of the organization that is actually taking the space. Right. I mean, look at look at any commercial lease. Exactly. At the end of the lease, you have TIs. Right. The landlord pays for improvements. That's the pay way for it all goes. Of them. So, well, and the sun or the city of Phoenix isn't paying for all of them here no. either. Right. But everyone's all pissy because it's Robert Sarver. That's really what it boils down. No, to. it's everybody's and pissy because it, they're pissy in every one of these situations. Every time a a team comes and asks for funds for 
renovations or to build their arena. It's a contentious thing because you're dealing with public fund, public money. Because like in a landlord tenant situation, it's private money, private money. It's like I built a building so I could rent it to people so I could make money off it. That's my job. That's my business. This is public funds, public taxes, whether they're coming from taxes on residents or not, that are being used for a private business that for all intents and purposes is niche. I mean, hold on. Whoa, 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 whoa. So are you suggesting that the, 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 the Phoenix Suns using that building don't provide any public benefit at all? No, I'm not saying that, but I'm, so it's not, it's not a, it's not, it's not, it's not, it's never funds being well. used for a private business. Well, the, the, public benefit is tangential. It's not... Well, if there wasn't a public if there wasn't a public benefit, there couldn't be tax dollars used for it. And the city built the arena to house events, including the Suns, to bring stimulation to the economy in downtown Phoenix. I mean, that was the whole purpose of it back in 92, 93, and there's no reason to not improve it at this time. Right. I, 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 I mean, just I just don't get I I think people are un, uh, unreasonable I, 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 I get when it. it comes to this. I'm perfect. I'm fine with this move. It's but there's a there's a different level when it comes to building a whole new arena which is des- like it's specked out, it's designed, it's everything by the team. And then they're saying, "Oh no, but you guys are paying for it." But I mean, okay. I well, but and I, the, it's not like it's uncommon, though. I mean, no, what I mean, an argument about it? No, it's not. It's never uncommon. Every one of these has been a dogfight. P- cities have, have cities have. No, I'm talking for- about cities funding stadiums for teams. No, it's not uncommon. No, they still do right. it. They still do it all the time. But the fight over it, because they have done studies on it, and. Yes, there is a public good that is provided by said stadiums, but that public good never recoups the value that the city spends. Not a, I don't believe in a single instance where a city has funded a stadium have they recouped the value. When you say they haven't recouped the value, you mean the city itself? No, I, I the economy the, as a whole. The economy as a whole. I can't believe that's true. Actually, maybe maybe it is the city itself. So, like through ta- increased taxes because they're increased business and whatnot, they have not gotten the money back. It's yeah, always well, a losing you know, proposition. It, it, from 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 my perspective, it's like there's so much other, way more important stuff to complain about than this. Like a government there is, shutdown. <laughs> right. Yeah. Let's not worry about that. Let's not worry let's, about where a city's spending uh, money. Let's, okay, Paul. Let's worry about that. Government's not. I feel like right where we hit right there is a good place to stop before we start alienating like people more than maybe I already have. Eh, um, but you know, if NBA. I haven't if I haven't <laughs> if I haven't alienated them yet, I probably wouldn't do it just right now through that whole um uh diatribe. So Yeah. Anyway. Um, okay, calm down. Let's calm down. Uh, so, oh yeah. Hey, this'll be a relaxing conversation. So how about Georgie Jang being a bitch? How about that? 
right? <laughs> I'm just going to say that, Paul, and let you discuss. <laughs> That's probably not the best move just because I've only seen clips of it because I am currently in Boise, Idaho, where it's not easy to find a Suns game on TV. <laughs> so I only saw it on like on the clips on Twitter, and more of those were the clip of Booker running down the hallway, getting held back by the security guard. <laughs> At first, I that, thought he was. The first time I saw it, I thought he was getting arrested, and Booker was trying to run away because the way his arm is, I thought the guy was like trying to like get his arm behind him so he could put cuffs on him. Like, what the hell happened? Yeah, that was a that was a weird situation that like escalated super quickly. Yeah, they were just like talking, I was, and then it was like, whoa. Yeah, I was watching the game. Like I was still working, and I was watching the game. I had like the game on one screen on my on my on my computers, and all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh, what happened? Oh, look, wait, there's 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 a scuffle." And then all of a sudden I see Booker like sprinting, and and the security guard grabbing him. Like, whoa, 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 what just happened right there? And yeah, apparently. Jang tried to get to the Suns locker room, got awfully close, but Booker was still being held up in the in the uh, walkway by the security guard, so he couldn't get there. And it was just it was a weird situation. It, it seemed, you know, and I'll say this, you know, candidly and and uh, to be completely honest with my opinion, it seemed like two dudes like getting into it and then escalating things, or at least making the appearance of escalating things far beyond where any one of them would actually have done anything. Cause I feel like if they would have encountered one another, it's not like they're going to throw fists. I mean, Booker did bitch slap, like literally kind of bitch slap Jang on the court, which was kind of funny. It was almost like a palm strike. Um, but Jang had a pretty funny comment actually after the game to, to the media where he was like, Oh, I was just wanting him because Jang apparently said, meet me in the, meet me in the, in the, you know, in the walkway. So, that's when Booker took off and Jang was like, oh, I just wanted to exchange jerseys with him. That's all, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh-huh. It's a good way to defuse yeah. it. Exchange jerseys with blood on them. Right. But it's it's kind of like the thing, you know, there's so many fake tough guys in the NBA. And I'm not saying that Booker or Jang are ne- necessarily like fall into that category. I think that episode kind of exemplified it. I don't know. I mean, I mean, you saw, did you see, you saw that, uh, uh, security camera footage of Booker going yeah. to fight those guys, putting on a. Putting... He did no such. He did no such thing, Paul. He was there to defuse the situation. Well, because was it Devin him? Booker is a good. Was citizen. it him? He was wearing. He was wearing. Yeah, a, there was a hoodie uh, and a bandana. It was a, it was a guy who was built, shaped, and had the you know maybe the jawline of Devin Booker, but we can't confirm that it was him. Fair point. Who was cl- point. who clearly knows Tyler Ulis? Maybe he didn't know him. Maybe it was just a really tall, handsome, good Samaritan. But he put on a bandana over his face. Right. Well, some people like fashion. wearing bandanas on their face. Cowboys. Right. It, maybe. So it was a cowboy, is what you're saying? Yes. Cowboys, Mavericks. It was Luka Doncic. <laughs> Luka Doncic and Dak Prescott. What? Huh? Why? Why, why those two? Is there something? Dallas social media. And the oh. Cowboys. You know, dude. Oh my god! I was totally just thinking Dak Shepard. <laughs> 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 Oops. Anyway. 
Tangents. So tangents. What were we talking about? Oh, yeah. So Luka Doncic assaulted a guy in a Tempe apartment complex. That's what it was. Yes. Okay. Allegedly. Allegedly. By me. Shit. I'll edit this out. Um, No, I won't. So fake tough guys. I feel like that's a good. How about this? The only real tough guy. The only real tough guy ever was Charles Oakley. Okay. Let me contemplate that. And let me ask you this question while I contemplate that. Who's the biggest fake tough guy in the NBA right now? Carmelo Anthony. Go watch the tapes. Are you talking about like when he threw that punch as he was running away? Yeah. Yep. Okay. That's hard. That's that's, frankly, that's hard to argue with. I feel like Blake Griffin is the biggest fake tough guy. Every time I watch that guy play basketball, no, he doesn't get into he it. He does something though. where he's trying to act like he's fucking gonna do something to somebody, and and he like I feel like I could, and I will say this on record, which obviously I'm doing because it's recorded. I feel like if I fought Blake Griffin, and I'm five foot nine, like 165 pounds, I feel like I could beat his ass. I do. <laughs> well. Boyd thinks I can beat you in arm wrestling. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, Boyd, if you're listening, that that's so insulting. And you know what? I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying it's insulting. Okay, that's it. That's it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm saying it's wrong. <laughs> but no, I, I Blake Griffin. I feel like is, and, and I I can't come up with like another real tough. Well, I mean, Charles Barkley threw a guy through a glass pane window. Well, so actually, you know who's glass pane pane glass window? You know, yeah. Um, Chris Paul, he gets into it a lot. He's like mm-hmm. annoying as shit, and yeah. but he also for somehow is able to has been able to pull off the on the court. He's like nasty, but he's like you know the boy next door who you, your mom would want you to bring home if as your boyfriend versus the biker who you want to date. You talking about? You live in a weird world, Paul. Um, it's getting late. I feel like I feel like collectively you and I, if we if it was like a tag team match between you you and me versus Blake Griffin and Chris Paul, we would totally. Win. <laughs> I'll take it. You know you know who I feel like it would be a like like a super tough guy in real life real life, fucking Stephen Adams. I feel like oh, I yeah. can beat some ass. Yeah, PJ Tucker. Oh, yeah, I'd be terrified of that guy. Terrified. Well, there was I used to listen to. Uh, Jalen Rose's podcast and one of the things he would talk about was like your dark alley squad like who would you want at your back if you were in a dark alley and somebody was about to attack you and mm-hmm. like I think he had PJ Tucker on there and he's he's an insider he he knows the guys he knows how they actually play how they actually act PJ Tucker's yep. got got a streak in him plus he's no, wow. I, be, I, I, be, I believe that 100%. And you know what? It just came to me while I wanted to tell you. Okay. This has nothing to do with any of this conversation, but it has something to do with Chris Paul. Okay. And perhaps I've told this anecdote, if you will, before. Uh-huh. Have I ever brought up the fact that my dad actually thought that Cliff Paul was truly Chris Paul's twin brother? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god! I think I just killed Paul. <laughs> and and I mean that like I was we were we were at we were at a bar one night, and we were we were watching basketball, and 
one of those State Farm commercials pops up and he goes, man, can you believe this? I go, believe what, Dad? He goes, how lucky is Cliff Paul that his twin brother is in the NBA and he's on TV because of it? You know, he's just a real estate agent or excuse me, an insurance agent. And I looked at him because I thought he was kidding at first. And like he's like stone cold, like not laughing. I'm like, are you fucking serious right now? And he goes, yeah, why? Um, I just like, it was one of those, like, I had to get up and walk away. I'm like, I can't even, I can't even do this right now. This is ridiculous. You okay? Oh my God. I would... I would I would edit this out, but I can't edit out this laughter from you. This is ridiculous. You know what? People who don't like when we go on tangents are gonna fucking hate this episode. I, I think I'm laughing so much because I know your dad. Right, that's fair. <laughs> like it's yeah, like what, it'd be like one thing if you just told that story in a room and like somebody didn't know. Like, you're like, oh yeah, my dad, this guy, like amorphous guy. But like I know your dad. <laughs> Imagining that conversation. I've known you. I've known you for almost twenty years. I've literally <laughs> never heard you laugh that hard in my life. That's 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 fantastic. Okay, hey. So it's been at least like, like four. Oh, you're still laughing. Oh, is this still going on? Okay, I'm good. I think. Are you sure? No. It's like the fucking... I can't stop it. Okay, no, no, now I'm good. I'm good for sure. for like four minutes I, I I definitely have to edit this but I'm gonna like plug it in somewhere afterwards or something this is ridiculous it's like, it's like the opposite of a panic attack so can you stop for like three seconds so we can finish this episode yes. oh, anyway we we tangentially tangentially talked about the sun. So we we've boiled down to no Mike Conley. Well, Paul kind of maybe I don't know. And arena improvement is approved. Everyone needs to stop bitching about it. Uh, Devin Booker and Georgie Jang didn't really do much in their little fight, but Blake Griffin and Chris Paul are big fake tough guys. We didn't even talk about Dragon Bender, but you know what? Whatever. Paul took Dragon Bender time with four minutes of nonstop <laughs> laughter. You're welcome, so, America. As we always say here on Fanning the Flames, when we occasionally actually record podcasts, we appreciate everybody out there listening. Follow us on Twitter. Paul laughs just as much on Twitter as he does on the podcast. 
I'm at so says Jay Paul. And Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And until next time, thank you for listening. And depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Thank you. Just wanna hear-